As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is Melissa Lockard with Steve Berman from The Seamheads, a show about the Oakland A's. Well, game one of this 2020 American League Division Series against the Astros was quite a roller coaster for the A's, who jumped out early, fell back into a tie, took a lead, and looked like they were about to set themselves up for the perfect end for their bullpen when an error by Marcus Simeon in the sixth inning opened the floodgates and they ended up losing 10 to 5. Obviously, at that point in the sixth inning with two outs and nobody on, it sure looked like the A's had this game kind of in control, Steve. And baseball's kind of one of those funny things where it shouldn't be a backbreaker to make a two-out error, and yet somehow it always seems to end up that way. What did you see from the team after that error? It is weird. It seems like either when there's an error like that or a leadoff walk or something, it just always comes back to bite you. I thought Wendell stuff was actually pretty good, but the Astros were aggressive all day and they started putting some hits together. And then next thing you knew, the entire complexion of the game had changed. Uh, the infield defense just uh, even, you know, the, there was only that one error, but... You know, there was also a couple of infield hits, uh, one of them where it seemed like there was some maybe miscommunication between Jake Lamb and Simeon earlier on in the game when Bassett was sort of navigating his way out of trouble until the fourth inning hit and he, he couldn't stop allowing home runs. So it definitely didn't bode well for the rest of the game. It, it sort of seemed like the wind was taken out of their sails, but of course... You know, teams always look like they don't have quite the same energy when they're not hitting, and the A's just completely stopped hitting in the later innings. Yeah, Bob Melvin sort of talked about how their approach early in the game, especially against Lance McCullers, was really good and disciplined, that they made him kind of get back into the strike zone, which had been their real game plan um, because he's a guy that gets a high number of chases outside the strike zone. But once the bullpen came in, it seemed like that, that approach kind of fell away a little bit. You know, and maybe it's one of those things where you see those guys – had those kind of bad at bats and it helps them leading into you know games two and three against them but you know it was probably a little bit frustrating when they got to a point where it was clearly a bullpen game and that should be you know their best position to win really in in a lot of ways and it just didn't happen for them yeah we talked about the bullpen remember you you mentioned how i think it was josh reddick who said uh, they want to get into the a's bullpen if they could beat their bullpen they'll win I'm totally paraphrasing, but we both kind of laughed almost a little bit about that because the A's bullpen has been so good all year. And yeah, you just kind of wonder what would have happened uh, if a couple things, you know, I think 
the the error from Simeon is definitely going to be the main storyline for a lot of people after this game. I was a little surprised that Petit only went one inning. It seemed like maybe Melvin was trying to spread out the taxingness of the of the that's not really a word but of the bullpen and, and not have any of these guys go too far in case they're needed in, in subsequent games because Petit just breezed through the fifth inning and it looked like the A's were on their way and then Wendell can replace him and look pretty good until the air and then from there everyone else pitched you know either two-thirds of an inning or one inning except for Weems who couldn't even get a, an out he couldn't throw a strike in the beginning and they gave a couple hits he was gone so yeah it was uh, definitely a little bit weird for A's fans to see this, this, this team in a lot of ways looked different than they usually do I mean, they're known for having pretty good defense for the most part Chris Bassett's known for being perhaps the best pitcher in baseball over the last month and he wasn't really there with his location at all throughout the game I mean he was sort of like a boxer on the ropes you know throughout the first few innings and the fourth inning uh, you know that fly ball by Bregman probably wouldn't have gone out even at nighttime at Dodger Stadium, but then the home run he allowed to Korea, you could tell. And he was giving up loud contact the whole game. So that and then the bullpen struggling, just a weird day overall. Yeah, I actually liked how they sort of managed um, Petit there because I think, you know, for one, and I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but my kind of recollection is that he's been much better with runners on when he comes into a game than he's been when he started an inning fresh, especially when it's the second inning that he's pitching. And in that game three of the wild card series, you know, he came in, cleaned up Mike Fire's uh, kind of rally, and then came out the next inning and got hit around. So, you know, I think in some respects they were getting the best they could get out of him. And when Delkin had looked so good, and I think the plan had been, had Simeon not made the error and they had gotten out of the inning one, two, three, was maybe when Delkin goes those two innings like he did in the first game of the wild card series, gets to, to the point where they're sort of setting up with Deakman and Soria and then going to Hendricks. And it sort of plays out exactly how they would have kind of set it up. And then Petit is available for the next day to sort of do the same thing, which I think he's really become very good at. It just didn't quite come together that, you know, with, with the error extending that inning. And just in talking about that infield defense, too, I mean, they just sort of look out of sorts. And I have to say, you know, it's not one of those things where you can necessarily blame one person. I think it has to be tough to bring in two new infielders with like three weeks left in the season. And you don't get as much time before the game to take ground balls with everybody. You're playing a lot of extreme shifts because you're in a postseason series where, you know, your data is driving so much of what you're doing. And a lot of those misplays, including the Simeon error, came on a shift. So you've got guys kind of coming at angles on balls that they're not normally accustomed to, to fielding them at. And it's not an excuse, but I think that's probably where we're seeing a lot of the clunkiness. And also, frankly, it, it talks you know a lot to the value of Matt Chapman. And even when he wasn't hitting, just the value of the steadying presence that he brings to the infield and how he's able to steady Marcus Simeon and kind of create that whole left side of the infield vacuum that they've had over the years, you know, makes it just a huge difference. And so not having him in today's game, I think, you know, probably was the deciding factor, really. Yeah, I think so, too. It's, you know, it's one of those things where you knew it's going to come back to bite them at some point. And and really, Lamb has played a pretty solid third. And so that hasn't been a, a concern for the most part. But yeah, I think just overall, that sort of butterfly effect that you have where it just changes the tenor of how everyone's playing. I mean, Simeon doesn't have to get to as many balls usually when Chapman's there because Chapman's range is so ridiculous and he he just charges all over the place. So it's a little different. I think Simeon has to be a little bit more aggressive uh, than he might normally if with 
uh, Chapman next to him. I, I don't I don't know though. It's just uh, one of those things where I think Simeon's defense all year. I mean, it was great last year. I mean, his defense was a revelation last season, and part of the reason why he was number three in the MVP voting. This season, he's been a little bit off. We've kind of talked about this a little bit. Just not quite the same. Uh, you know, I've seen him drop some line drives. You know, he's mishandled some throws from from the catcher. He's you know let a couple of ground balls go right through the wickets. Uh, you know, and, and I, I'm not really sure if that you know if you could point to the Chapman loss because he was actually you know having some of these issues when Chapman was there but definitely yeah if, I think if Matt Chapman's playing in that game you know who knows maybe and also you know that double down the line maybe he's able to get that too that was my first thought was hmm if Chapman was there what if he got to that ball or not looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. There were a couple of balls that got by La Stella um, over on the right side that I think, you know, a second baseman with better range gets to. And, you know, it sort of points to what you know, the team is going to be looking at for going into next season. Obviously, that second base position hasn't really been resolved yet. Uh, La Stella has been fantastic as a hitter. But defensively, especially if you've got sort of leakiness el- elsewhere in the infield, it's sort of hard to cover, you know, the fact that his range is pretty limited there at second base. Isn't really a whole lot the A's can do to fix that now, though, unfortunately, it's just not one of those things that even during the season they could have addressed given the timing of Chapman's injury. And, you know, the fact that they have Jake Lamb at all is pretty fortunate, all things considered. But, you know, going into tomorrow, though, um, and, and looking at game two, there are some things I think, though, that they can take in from this game that are positive. I mean, certainly, unlike game one of the wildcard series where they sort of looked dead on arrival against Lucas Giolito, they were incredibly competitive in their at-bats against Lance McCullers. You know, they, I'm sure the, the bats against the bullpen are discouraging, but the fact that they were able to, to go after a pitcher who was probably as hot as Bassett coming into this really over the last month and got him to kind of pitch away from his strengths because of the way they were approaching him. You know, they hit the ball with authority. I thought Grossman's ball, uh, you know, two batters after Olsen's home run, that was a double. He, he probably missed hitting that out by like a quarter inch, you know, and, and how much does the game change that way if that one goes out? But they're, almost every single hitter had at least one good at bat. And hopefully that for them kind of carries over some confidence going in against a lefty who they normally, you know, have more confidence against anyway in game two. Yeah, we knew Chris Davis was starting to heat up, and he went two for four with a home run to right, which was very impressive. 
we knew Sean Murphy has probably been their best hitter to, over the last, you know, five, six weeks, it seems like. And he, he hit one out, too. But then you, uh, you know, and then another good sign was Matt Olson's at bats looked much, much better. He, he drew a walk in his first one. Then he hit that home run as well. That was a good sign. I think Grossman also struggled in that wild card series. And I think his at bats, like you mentioned, looked much better as well. So really, the only person who seemed sort of lost offensively in this game was perhaps Loriano. Uh, I guess Jake Lamb struck out once and two at bats didn't get a hit. But throughout up and down the lineup, the lineup looks like it's pretty fresh and pretty strong. I mean, Simeon, you know, tough air, but he went two for four as well. So, I, I yeah, I think offensively that may, might not seem to be as big of a concern. But the Astros' offense is uh, definitely rocking and rolling right now. And the A's have been giving up a lot of loud contact in the postseason so far, more than I would even expect, although they are playing uh, two teams with full of sluggers. It is the postseason, and of course, you're seeing the best players. And the fact of the matter is that the Astros, for as much as they may have struggled during that regular season sample, I think as we talked about in the preview, you sort of had the sense they were they were kind of cruising through the regular season in the way that you know an NBA team that's not really worried about seeding and just knows they're going to make the postseason sort of does. There was always that sense that it's possible they were going to turn it around. They didn't necessarily kill the ball against the Twins in that wild card series. It was only two games but they had those couple of key hits towards the end in each of those games. And I think that probably gave them that confidence that they'd be able to do that. So I think you're going to have to expect that they're going to be like the Astros of 2019 in terms of their hitting, as opposed to the Astros that we saw during the regular season. You know, that being said, I mean, I think the A's can hit that way too. And it's just going to be a matter of whether the bullpen can do a better job of keeping a lead if they have one in the late innings uh, than they did today. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how confident Houston is against Manaya. Manaya is a guy who pitched pretty well against him this year, but the, you know, this is a team in the Astros that, you know, I think a lot of people have been making fun of them because of the cheating scandal, but you know, it's you can't say that had the success they did 100% because of cheating. So, you know, they still have some talented guys, and and Springer was just going off today. Correa as well with two homers. You know, I mean, when you give up 16 hits over a nine inning game, you're not going to win too many of those. So it's really all about. Manaya coming in and Bassett today after his start said that based on the conditions, he said it's really hard to pitch in Dodger Stadium when it's hot like this. I think it was 91 degrees at game time and stayed around there for the entirety of the game. Ball is obviously just flying out of the park. He said they're going to, you know, all the pitchers for both teams are going to have to make some adjustments. Obviously, you want to keep the ball in the ballpark and you want to keep the ball down. And Bassett wasn't able to do that on a lot of the pitches that he threw today. We'll see if Manaya can because uh, right now the Astros look like uh, the team that they were before this season. Manaya's strength isn't necessarily keeping the ball down. You know, he's he's more of a pitch up in the strike zone kind of guy. But he is also a swing and miss guy, which uh, is a little bit different. Not that Bassett had terrible strikeout numbers, but that's not really his game necessarily. Whereas Manaya and, and Jesus Lazardo, if he goes later, and certainly uh, Frankie Montas are more of the strikeout type pitchers. So it'll be interesting to see if that makes a difference uh, for the A's. I think there were some moments in the game where they got to two strikes on hitters against the Astros, where if they were able to to put them away without contact, it would have made a huge difference. And that's something that Manaya has been able to do this season. So I would expect, you know, there's going to be moments where he gives up a home run or, or, or maybe two. If he's able to keep them to solo home runs, they're, they're probably in decent shape. And they'll have to see where they're able to get their offense against uh, Valdez, you know, the, the lefty who's very talented and pitched well against them 
as well, but certainly the lineup that they can throw out there against a left-handed pitcher, you know, has to give them some confidence going into the game. Yeah, Valdez pitched uh, well in a game that I covered earlier this year. Uh, I, I believe, I'm trying to think, that it, he went up against Montas, and Montas pitched just a little bit better. I'm not sure if that's actually, my memory is failing me, because it definitely, that can happen from time to time with all these games in this weird year. But he pitched uh, seven innings against the A's on August 8th and struck out nine, gave up just one earned run. The uh, A's won that game 3-1, to one, uh, so he was saddled with the loss, even though he had a really great outing. So that was the only time we faced the A's this year. Manaya pitched really well against the Astros too. So maybe we'll see a lower scoring game. Looked at the temperature for tomorrow. It's supposed to be 88 is the high in LA tomorrow. So not quite as hot as uh, today, but still on the warmer side. So the ball's still probably going to be traveling. At the very least, I thought today's game was very entertaining. You know, it certainly wasn't one of those where you're kind of down from the beginning and it just not a lot happens. There was a lot of action. And, you know, the Astros are never short on confidence. I think even if they had come into this game having lost 10 in a row, they would have been confident in themselves. And, uh, you know, I think the A's showed some moxie early in the game. And, you know, they've shown the ability to sort of shrug off these kinds of disappointments during the regular season. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to do that on uh, Tuesday. Thanks so much for listening. We'll check back in after game two to see if the A's can tie the series or if they'll be facing elimination on Wednesday.